let's go to our foundational text, Romans 11:16. I want to continue talking a couple of minutes regarding the theme, the first represents the rest. And David enjoyed uh, spending time uh, with the body of believers. He enjoyed spending time worshiping the Lord together with the company of believers, with the great assembly. A couple of weeks ago, we opened up by sharing that the first fruit is a very important thing because it represents the rest of what we have, what we are. And that's why it's so important to have a personal relationship with God because out of that relationship, everything else will spring. We cannot have God as an addition. We cannot have God as an extra. God has to be first. Because God doesn't date. He marries. And that's what most people don't understand. He comes into covenant with human beings. And he said, I will be your father and you shall be my children. So that's, that's heavy. And then Jesus confirmed it in the New Testament by saying, when you pray, pray this way. Say this prayer, our Father who art in heaven. See, so, so Jesus came uh, for that reason, to bring back the sons and daughters who were lost, who were separated from Almighty God. So the first fruit is very important, because what we're saying is, Father, you are first in our lives. And out of that relationship, everything else uh, can flow. As you know, in, in the natural, we have children, and our children uh, are an outgrowth of us. They carry our name. They carry uh, our inheritance, our heritage. Yesterday, I had a wonderful time. Uh, they were honoring my pastor, uh, Dr. Luciano Padilla, in Brooklyn. And uh, I, I had a great time seeing some of my friends I hadn't seen for a long time. And it's amazing. You get busy in life, and then you don't see your buddies for five years, and then 10 years, and then 15 years, and then 20 years. You don't see some of your brothers and sisters because they moved to another state. And so years pass, and then something happens that brings you together. It says, wow, we have to do this more often. And many times that happens also in ministry. We love each other. I have dear friends of mine who are doing great works in different boroughs and different states. But it was a nice gathering, and uh, it's wonderful to see uh, when a man and a woman can enjoy the fruits of their labor. Here we have my pastor, 70 years old. And sons and daughters came from all over the world, from all over the place. And uh, we had a great service. But then when these men and women started speaking, how they started sharing, one guy is the bishop of uh, the overseer of the, the council where my pastor is part of. And, and the guy, he's in his 50s. And pastor's first baby that he presented before the Lord was that guy. And now he's his bishop. Go figure that. So it was, it was a great moment for him, but it also showed me something. It showed me when you sow a thought, a kindness, uh, uh, maybe a time of mentorship in somebody's life, it's going to come back. It's going to come back. You might not see it right away. It might take 50 years for you to see it. But what these men were saying, key moments where he spoke into their lives, and, and, and Pastor Blanca also spoke into their lives. Years later, they said, oh, my God, I'm this because of Pastor. Oh, my God, I'm this because of. See, so all of you that are sowing into people's lives, don't ever think it's a waste. Even young folk, you talk to them and they're like, they're listening, though. They are listening. They're just not going to tell you. That, that, that is, means nothing. It means nothing. They're hearing. You know, years down the road, especially when they have their own kids, 
who are doing at them. Then they say, you know, <laughs> praise the Lord. See, so it's very important to understand that where we come from, really, it makes us. So if we allow God to be first in our lives, if we put him first, then everything else will flow from that. So uh, let's go to the next verse. God always reserved the first part to himself. Always did. Always kept it from the garden. He wanted the tree. He said, Adam, don't touch the tree. Abel's offering. God wanted the best offering from the brothers. Abel gave the best offering and Cain said, nah, I'm just going to give some from the ground. God wanted the best. And he wasn't pleased. And he, and he told Cain, I'm not pleased with your offering. And, and Cain understood that. And he got upset and he threw a fit in a tantrum. But the bottom line is, there are offerings that God accepts and there are offerings that God doesn't accept. If it doesn't have your heart in it, you, you have to be very careful what you're offering to God. Because right. it represents you. It represents your heart. What about Abraham's son? You know, God promised Abraham that through that boy, you know, he'd have inheritance. He'd have uh, children, sons and daughters as the sand of the sea. And then later on, God says, give me the boy. That's what I mean. Offer him to me. And Abraham says, okay, I believe you. And even if I kill this boy, I know you're going to resurrect him because you promised me. And I know you. I trust you, God. Because in the New Testament, it shows that in the, in the book of Hebrews. I'm sorry, the book of, yeah, Hebrews chapter 11, I believe, that, that uh, uh, Abram trusted God. And he believed God. And he said, even if he would kill the boy, that God would resurrect. That's the faith, the level of faith that Abram had. And then later on, God changed Abram's name to Abraham, father of many nations. But he put him through a test. And make no mistakes about it, you will be tested. Your relationship with God will be tested. And if anything pulls you away from God, God's not first in your life. If, a, if, your, if your boss can separate you from God, God's not first in your life. If your wife can separate you from God, God's not first in your life. If your husband can separate you from God, God's not first. If your children can separate you from God, if your goals, if whatever it is, if anything, uh, maybe, oh, yeah, I get angry, oh, I get angry, or whatever it may be, I get offended, and that separates you from God, then God's not first. So we need to check that, because God demands first place in our lives. All the firstborn were to be consecrated to him. What about Jericho? You know, when, when, when God had his people enter into the land, he said, the first city you give it to me. It's holy to me. It's consecrated to me. Amen. Take all the gold, everything. Burn it as an incense to me. And then one guy said, what do you, what do you mean? I'm not going to burn that. God doesn't need that stuff in heaven. I'm going to take some of that fine linen for me. I'm going to take some of that gold and silver for me. And you know what? God stopped the forward advancement of all of Israel until they dealt with that sin. Hallelujah. And once they dealt with that sin, then they were, able, they were allowed to take the rest of the land. And sometimes we sin before God and our forward progression in our destiny stops cold until we deal with that sin. Of putting MasterCard first. Of putting people first. Of putting things first. Of putting our own goals first before Almighty God. And sometimes we're halted for a season until we come to the recognition, until we come to the realization, my God, I've been playing with God. I'm saying, I love you, I love you. I love this, I love this. I love you, I love you. I love this, I love this. You know, you, we're, we're two-timing God. And we're being hypocritical in His presence. And the thing is, you can't get away with it because He knows us. But we think that we can get away with it because with people we get away with it. 
See, we're quick. We're, we, we know how to speak with forked tongue. You know what I mean? Forked tongue is? The Indians would say that when you're being hypocritical. Well, you're saying one thing and you're doing another. Well, you, we do that with people, and many times we get away with it for a short amount of time. Other times, we think we're getting away. Everybody's looking and saying, I don't understand why they're playing that. Amen. And you're the only one. You're self-deceived. You think you're getting away. You're not getting away with anything. But God says, be truthful. Be, be whole. When we're whole, well, that means we're not fragmented. Give God first. Honor the Lord with your first fruit, Proverbs 3.9. And what about seek the kingdom of God first? Notice, everything is first. When you do that, he will call you son and daughter. He will work with you. He will work through you. Why do we put this practice as a congregation? Let's go to the next one. A, the truth sets us free. The principle of sowing and reaping is still in effect on the earth. Our quality of life is tied into our understanding and operating the scriptural principles. So when we sow from that base, we will reap a harvest, an eternal harvest. I've often wondered, man, what difference does it make what you do in 10, 15 years? Nobody thinks about it anymore. You know, that trophy you had, you know, in your house, nobody remembers that when you were the jockey of the year, when you were employee of the month. After a while, it's nothing. How many of you have trophies and certificates? And you know, they're, they're, they're collecting mojo now. You know what mojo is? That's rust. You know? In the basement somewhere. Nobody sees it. At one point, that was like the biggest thing in your life. You would die for it and you got it. And that's it. I've arrived. I've gone to heaven. Ten years from now, eh. What is that? Eh, nada. It's not nada. It loses value. How can we have eternal value? So when we take something normal, tangible, that we could touch, and we touch somebody with it, and they come to Jesus, we just finished taking something temporary and made something eternal with it. When you take $10, what can $10 buy, man? $10 has gone tomorrow, and you buy a Bible with it, and somebody reads it and gets saved, and they're connected to God eternally now. And no longer are they going down to hell, they're going to heaven now. No longer are they eternally separated from God. Now they're God's child because you spent $10. That $10 was translated into something eternal. Because you led somebody to Christ. So when we put the kingdom of God first, and when we practice God's principles and we sow into the eternal, we reap the eternal. This is very important. B, it's part of our worship. We've been studying that. How even giving, uh, sowing into the kingdom of God, it's part of our worship. What about this? God is positioning us to finance end time harvest. How in the world are we going to build radio stations, TV stations? If we don't have ample supply to do so. The world does it. Are you aware right now that there's a big fight? There are liberal progressive folk that don't want to hear anything about Jesus. They don't mind if you talk about Hare Krishna. They don't mind if you talk about, you know, who that, the, big, the big guy. Buddha. They don't mind. But mention Christ in the public square. You'll have people looking at you. What are you mentioning that name for? There is an attack. So people that, that are well-equipped financially, they're sowing into radio stations and they're, they're sharing the gospel and there are people that are attacking them and they're asking the FCC to shut them down because they don't want to hear that message because the message of the gospel brings responsibility. So we have to make sure that we continue to preach it. We have, we have to make sure and not allow ourselves to be intimidated of these people that don't want to hear the gospel. Because they want to live any old way they want to. They, they don't want to be responsible to the creator. And it offends them when you tell them, listen, you're responsible. You're God's creation. Amen. 
No, I don't, I don't want to hear about that. Shut that down. That's offensive to my ears. And people are being sued because they have the Bible in their workplace. Because they have a sign that talks about a proverb or maybe God loves you. They're suing them. And in some cases, people are winning. And they're intimidating people. That's why we need to make sure that we position ourselves to finance the end time harvest. And, and take the real estate. Bring back the gospel to the community. And preach it one-on-one, one-on-one, which is, by the way, what the Lord told us to do anyway. One-on-one. Hallelujah. What about this? As we take the posture of givers, we break the spirit of greed and mammon that has greatly influenced this entire generation of business, government, entertainment, journalism, and I would even add, even church. Because some churches no longer preach the eternal. They only preach the now. They only preach that God will make you feel good now. Well, not, not necessarily. Sometimes you have to go through some changes. Sometimes circumstances are going to cause us to go through some changes. God is with you there too. And once you, once you leave this life, the heaven is waiting. There are mansions. There's a relationship with God beyond that. This is just practice, people. That's why we need to get it right here. Hallelujah. But if we only think, oh man, God's going to bless me with a Cadillac. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Much of this prosperity gospel is off base. It's just a feel-good gospel. And we need to be very careful about that. And not allow the, 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 the spirit of greed and mammon that has greatly influenced this entire generation. Business. They want more. It's not enough. I need more. I need another killing. I need to, uh, to, to shut down another company and take all its assets. You know? I need to, to get a bigger bonus. $20 million is not enough. I need $50 million. It's just a spirit of greed, covetousness, avarice. And we need to fight against that. And the only way we'll be able to win over that is by being givers. Amen. By being givers. What about E? Uh, God gives us the power to acquire wealth for His purposes. This is not, God doesn't give us wealth so we could just splurge it. So we could just buy 10 Cadillacs and 3 Mercedes and, and whatever it may be and 20 houses. He, gave, he gives us provision and wealth for His purposes. So if He blesses you, it includes somebody else in the package, you know. When you get a blessing, think, okay, God, who do you want me to touch? Who do you want me to bless? Maybe I need to buy groceries somewhere. Maybe I need to buy a Bible for somebody. Maybe I need to buy a video for somebody. I need to share it. Maybe I need to pay somebody's rent this month. I mean, I, I know it. I, I've heard testimonies over and over and over where Christians are down to the last nickel and they're praying to God in their dining room table and somebody knocks on the door sometime, just, just momentarily while they're praying for food. And, and, and they open up a door and it's a, a, a fellow brother or sister in Christ with groceries. So the Lord told me to bring you groceries. Amen. And those people break down and cry because God heard their prayer. Right. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's still happening today over and over and over again. If we would dare hear God, we would see the miracles that God would do through us. Hallelujah. And letter F, there's a great warfare concerning giving to the kingdom. Our society blindly gives to entertainment to, for convenience but fights to keep resources away from the kingdom of God. You know that. I mean, just in a moment, guys come together, put slap together a crazy movie, and in one weekend it makes $30 million. Second weekend it makes about 50 to $70 million. And when you look at it, you sat down, you, you, you laugh for two hours, and then it's gone. Never to entertain you again, so to speak. 
unless you buy the video and see it two years later on. And after a while, you have 500 videos in your apartment, or CDs or DVDs, and you don't listen to any of them because you're after the new stuff. Yet they spend 30 million on it, 50 million, 100 million. How much did they spend to make Avatar? Huh? A billion dollars to make Avatar? Oh, they made, no, forget it. They made, they made, they made it, uh, the gross national product of the United States like for the next 10 years. But the truth of the matter is they spend several, probably several hundred million to make it. You know what we could do with one million? You know how many people we could feed with one million? My God. But you see, they don't, there's no problem with that. But the minute the church gets in a position where, where finances are flowing and they're opening up churches and they're opening up uh, after-school centers and they're opening up charter schools, immediately, they're, oh, there's, something must be wrong there. <laughs> they, they, they cast aspersions over the ministry. They try to catch them in something. They'll dig deep, deep, deep until they get a picture when you were 10 years old, maybe smoking a blunt at 13. Oh, you know, listen, they'll catch you doing something. And is this the pastor? Meanwhile, I'm a little kid, I'm smoking a blunt. Meanwhile, I'm 50, doing a great work for them. But they'll cast aspersions. It doesn't make a difference whether you're guilty. They just want to cast an aspersion over you, you know, cast a doubt over you. And they do it great. It's a deception, and they do this on purpose. They don't have to find you guilty. All they do is just have to throw doubt. Years ago, one of our elders in the church, I was born again in years ago, 37, 38 years. Uh, a lady came into the church and she accused him of having a sexual affair. And um, we knew that she was a little off. But the elders of that church, they got concerned about that, so they sat him down. And after a while, he resigned because he kept on telling me, you're going to believe her over me? You sure? Are you sure about that? And, uh, you know, sir, we don't want this type of issue in our church. Was, You're going to, all right, fine. I resign. And he left. About six months later, they found out that she was not well. Emotionally, she was shot. And she needed help. She needed therapy. And she lied. And then she admit, admitted that she lied. But you see, already the pain, the, the, he was tainted. He resigned from being a longtime elder of a good church. And one of my mentors, I loved him, and I still do. He's still alive. And every single one of the leaders went to him one by one and apologized. Too little, too late. Too much, too little, too late to ever try again. <laughs> Somehow or another, it just wasn't working. So we need to be careful because that's the method or the methodology, the methodius that the world uses to try to shut the church down. What about H? It produces a specific abundant blessing in our future when we put God first, when we sow the tithe, when we sow the first fruit before the Lord. And that's much misunderstood also. But the fact is if we've, we've got the word of the Lord, I, it is God's way of getting his blessings to us. God wants to trust you, so he'll trust you with a certain amount. And when you're faithful there, then he'll give you plenty. The Bible says in the book of Luke that if we're faithful in little, then he will give us much. See, that's the principle. You have a little, well, you know, when I hit the lotto, then I will give. I'll you know, buy the church 
you know, I'll buy a building for the church. No, you won't. Because you're not giving a $1 offering now. If you're unfaithful in the little, which is what Jesus said also, you will be unfaithful with a lot. So prove yourself in the little, be faithful in the little, and then God will give you a lot, and he knows and he trusts that you will be faithful in a lot. And I know he does that because he did that with Abraham. When he was talking in heaven with Jesus and the Holy Ghost and the angels, he says, should I tell Abraham what I'm about to do with Sodom and Gomorrah? He says, you know, I'm going to tell him because I can trust that man, because I know he'll teach his children the ways of the Lord. So in heaven, they were talking about Abraham. Could they trust Abraham? My question is, are they talking in heaven about you? And if they're talking in heaven about you, what are they saying about you? Is Jesus saying, I can trust my daughter with, with that promotion. I can t trust my son with that new business. Because I know he will honor me there. He'll put me first and he'll raise up his children, her children in the ways of the Lord. Some people said amen. Everybody else went, oh. Jay, it is God's will for us to experience increase. I mean, you can see that all throughout Scripture. God wants to bless us. Proverbs 13, 22, 2 Corinthians 9. I mean, on and on. You could write those uh, verses down if you'd like. And then the next screen. K, great power is released when we target our seed properly because it yields specific results. If you... Sow an apple tree, what type of harvest are you going to get? Apples. apples. It's just the way it is. When you sow kindness, you will reap kindness. Now, that's not true, Pastor, because I was kind to that lady and she, she let me have it. So, well, listen, sometimes your harvest isn't going to come from that lady. Sometimes God's harvest is going to come from somebody else. So you trust the process. Don't worry about the person who's going to bring it to you. It says, good measure, shaken together, pressed down, shaken together, shall men... Give unto your bosom. So in other words, men will bring it back to you. God will touch men to give it back to you. He didn't say, if you give to Harry, God will use Harry. You understand my point? It might come from Larry or Curly or Mo. But the bottom line is, the blessing... <laughs> you get the point. L, it is the enemy's strategy to keep the resources away from the church. Because he knows that if we are not well resourced, we won't have a voice. Why does Madonna have a voice? Why does nasty Madonna have a voice? I mean, that lady's nasty. That's one nasty lady. And there's others that are following her. I mean, they're starting off early now. Look at this, um, uh, Smiley Cyrus. Huh? Who? Miley, Miley, Miley Harry. That's what I said. It's terrible. She's a little child. Esa necesita la pela de mozo. She needs a whipping, a whipping. Where are parents? Ah, listen, she needs a whooping, a whomping. She's misbehaving. And then, and then the thing is, young ladies are going to look, oh, I want to be just like her. Cállate la boca. going overboard and there's a new thing now that I just saw on uh, what is it uh, a new thing little children with orgies are they out of their minds yeah I heard it uh, I was AOL talking about a new program 
and MTV, little children having orgies. Why aren't they being arrested? Skins, yeah, don't watch. Well, I'm not going to say anything. Let your conscience guide you. It's not, a th it's not a thing to be watching. That's soft porno on regular TV. That's the way this generation is going. People need Jesus. But they have a voice. But why doesn't the church have a voice at that level? Because they try to shut it down. That's why they keep the resources away from the, the church. Why do professional athletes have a voice? Some of these guys, that, you know, incredible. But when you hear them talk, you know, I mean, you know, nothing cohesive comes out. But yet they have a voice. You know, think about it. The boxers, you know, great boxers. I'll eat your children. That's the voice? What type, what type of message are we sending our children? What type of message are we sending the next generation? The church needs to be advancing. The church needs to be strong. The church needs to be on the internet, on radio, on TV, in our communities, in government. This wasn't an issue years ago. In Yale, in Harvard, churches set these things up. The hospitals were set up by churches. Look at your history. It was the church that set up hospitals, that set up our early uh, colleges, cities. It was always in the center of the city. The steeple was always the, high, the tallest building in the center of the city. What has happened? We cannot lose our voice in this generation. Cannot, cannot, cannot. If we can't possess these mediums without abundance in the kingdom of God, how do you think the extremists and terrorists are able to fund their terrorism? There are sheiks, men in business, handing money to them so they could buy bombs. They even have a voice. They have resource. One of the major battles today is the battle of free speech. Make no mistakes about it. The liberal front, progressive front, is demanding that our government shut down all the conservative voices. The church especially. Let us pray. Let us come back to God. Let us be, you know, everybody's bold today. Except the church. Everybody's coming out the closet. We'll fight for the whales stronger than we'll fight for babies. Really, I'm serious. The other day, I'm an impassioned plea of an actor to save the polar bears. Not for nothing. It's a nice picture. I don't live in Alaska. It's something about the polar bear that doesn't move me as I'm drinking tea in the morning. I mean, I know it's important. But for me, it's more important. The inner city, the children, you know, it's, that's more important to me. They're not even an endangered species. But yet, they'll spend millions of dollars make commercials so that we would give to some organization that have no idea what they're doing in order for them to save a bear that doesn't need saving. Amen. So, when you think about it, we are a type of first fruit. It, James 1.18 said that. It said that we are first fruits. He gave us birth as sons by his word of truth so that we could be a kind of first fruit of his creation or creatures, a sample of what he created to be consecrated to himself. And today, 2,000 years later, we are benefiting from those first apostles, from those first disciples that were born again, that dared to believe God. Continue. 
The tithe and the first fruit both represent us. It is also the best of what we have. It represents our clan, so to speak. Uh, when I give the tithe, when I give the first fruit, it rep represents my family. Re represents my children. It's, that's my clan. So I go before the Lord and I give. Next. Jesus is the first fruit of a new family. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So he was the first fruit, and everybody that comes to him is now part of that new breed, that new family, that born-again creation. Next. Romans 8. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God. To those who were called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many Brethren, notice here, it says, brethren, are you aware that when you come to Jesus, not only is he your Lord, but he's also your brother? Because we're part of a family. Amen. And he was the first fruit. So say with me, first fruit. first fruit. Very, very important. So quickly, next. Several truths about the first fruit principle. And now behold, I have brought the first fruits to the land. First thing we do is we set it before the Lord our God. And we worship before the Lord our God. So that's the first thing. Next. We give the first fruit as a congregation in the midst of a church family. I read this verse earlier. David said, I will publicly fulfill my vows in the presence of all who reverence your name. Next. You bring it to the altar. And the priest shall take the basket out of thine hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord thy God. So that's what they would practice. They would go before the Lord and set it before him in honor of his name as, a, as an act of their worship, as part of their, uh, their family, them as individuals. Next, you do it publicly. And now behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land which thou, O Lord, hast given me. And thou shalt set it before the Lord thy God and worship before the Lord thy God. We do it publicly. Next. Celebrate God's goodness with those who fear the Lord. Before I read this, that's why we come to Jesus, we do it publicly. You might be able, maybe at home you come to Jesus. At home you heard the radio and, and the, the guy talking on radio leads you in a prayer. But you come to a church. And, and, and you become a member of a local church. And from there you are able to give your gifts, your talents, your treasure. But you publicly say, I have come to saving faith in Christ. You don't do it hiding. You don't reject Jesus publicly. Jesus said, anybody who comes to me publicly, I will present him before my Father and the angels. Amen. See, he's proud of you. When you come to Jesus, he's proud of you. So we also are proud of Jesus. Amen. You cannot be ashamed of the Lord. He said, if anybody's ashamed of me, I will be ashamed to present him before my Father and the angels. So never be ashamed of Jesus. Just because you're crowded, eh, you're a religious bunch. Excuse me, this is not religion. That's my brother. That's my Savior. That's my Lord. Amen. And they might think you're weird. You know why they might think you're weird? Because society has, is teaching them something crazy. Years ago in church, they would preach when I was a teenager. He says, there's coming a day when good is going to be called bad and bad is going to be called good. Today it is. It is that time today. The craziest things they're calling it good and the holy things they're calling them profane. People are mixed up. They're confused. So you have to lead them back. Back to the Lord. Next. Actually, let me read this verse. Afterwards, go and feast on all the good things he has given you. Celebrate with your family and with any Levites or strangers or migrants living among you. Celebrate. This is a time to celebrate. When we give to the Lord, when we give our hearts to the Lord, when we give everything, our passion to the Lord. 
Celebrate God's goodness with those who fear the Lord. And finally, conclusion. The greatest first fruit we can ever give to God is first place in our heart. Offerings only represent what is most important to you, but in reality, the best we can give to God is our heart. It's a heart. It's a heart. That's the best thing. And then what happens is the secondary, the lesser, which is our provision, the things that God gives us, our influence, we give that to God. And then what happens is the more we use our influence and our tangible goods for the kingdom of God, the more resources he gives us because he can trust us because he has our heart. You got it? It's not the other way around. You don't come to church to get things. You come to church because you're part of that body. You come to give. You give your heart. You give your worship. And you give love to each other too. It's not just to God. It's, it's not just vertical. It's also horizontal. <clears throat> we give our best to, to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Earlier you did that. You prayed for each other. You blessed each other. Amen. You, you, you held each other's hands. We rejoiced together. Some of you were even dancing. I saw some of you dancing. It's good to see you moving. It's excellent. Some of you never move. Some of you go to church. I mean, you're moving all the time, but as soon as you get to church, you're like. God bless you. How you doing? You're more stiffer than a board. But it was so cool when I saw you go like that today. That meant a lot. That was a, that was a breakthrough. That was a breakthrough. I, I am very proud of you. Continue the good work. Hallelujah. Amen. So let's all stand a moment. And I want to ask you right now, how is your heart with Almighty God? How is your heart with Almighty God? Is He first in your life? Or is He second or third or fourth? Have you bit the lie? Did you, you bite the fruit, so to speak? Or the lying philosophies that are out there? Have you bit, bit the lie of your flesh? You know, your flesh will fight this all the way. Your flesh is spoiled. It wants its own way. It's a little spoiled baby. Really, all it wants is satisfaction, to feel good, to feel comfortable, to get its way. Yeah, it, it does. You have to almost treat it like a separate entity. When you're born again, your spirit man has to fight against your flesh to submit it to the purposes of God. Some people think, I come to Jesus and I'll have no more problems again. Uh, wrong. Now comes a crisis. Because now since you're born again, now your conscience, your conscience is sensitized to the Holy Ghost. So when you start doing bad, before you didn't give a hoot. But now you do something and now it, it, it pricks against your conscience. So, oh man, I never felt this way. It's worse ever since I got to church. It's not that it's worse. It's that your conscience has been sensitized by the Holy Ghost. It's not your nature anymore. You're no longer a sinner. Now you're a child of God. So when you sin, that's against your nature. That's not where you belong. You're better than that. You come from a royal family, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You got it? That's why it doesn't feel good anymore. Because you've translated from the power of darkness to the kingdom of His dear Son. Man, are we getting this? Hallelujah. Amen. So... I want you to check your heart this moment. Bow your heads with me. Now it's just you and God. How is your heart with God? Do you need to make it right before the Lord? And if you do, be bold. And you show God your love for Him. 
and you tell God this moment, I love you more than my pride. I love you more than my arrogance. I love you more than what my, the dictates of my flesh. And I want you to be first in my life. 